Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Honeycomb Podcast. I am super happy. It's Saturday. I just had some coffee and I couldn't be in a better mood. If you've listened to this podcast before, I truly appreciate you sticking around after my first 10 episodes. And I am proud to be back after a recent hiatus and couldn't be more thrilled. It's an honor for me to have a very special guest on the show today. Thank you very much. You can find this podcast anywhere where podcasts are. So that's Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Google. It's all available. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Mr. Dr. Anthony Harper. How are you today, sir? Oh, very thankful. Great to join you, Devin. And where are you located today? Well, I'm in Arlington, Virginia, about five miles from the White House. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay. First of all, I'm a I'm a musician, so uh, experienced with as a professional musician, as both a, a singer and, and uh, playing uh, trumpet and the keyboard. But um, and had no idea to end up as a journalist at the White House. But I, I have a doctor degree in psychology, and I've done a lot of drug abuse counseling. And it's it's amazing to be at the White House and having these unique experiences with world leaders on very challenging issues and uh, I think all that performing experience really helped a lot uh, in being a reporter at the White House. As uh, we know that all the world is a stage and we're players, I believe, according to Shakespeare. A recent acquaintance of mine, we spoke, you're going to be actually traveling to Riverton, Wyoming, to speak. And uh, tell us a little Correct. bit about that. That would be uh, that would be Saturday, I mean, Sunday, June 6th, to... Uh, to speak, um, going to be at the Holiday Inn and there to speak in that, that that evening, and as well as the Republican Women's Event the following day on Monday. But yeah. there's also a, ch- a church to speak at as well when I'm there. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. We've got a lot of stuff to cover. I've got a lot of questions that I hope that you can answer, and uh, we can kind of get into a little bit now. You were a journalist. During the Obama administration, correct? Yes, uh, I've been at the White House for ten years. Uh, as a as a White House journalist, a member of the White House press corps. Yeah, I I asked the press secretary of my senator from Idaho, Senator James Rich's press person, how that happens getting into the White House, and they they told me how to how to get connected to the White House on this matter. And I, I uh, did that. Um, it's really quite simple. So you have to have the qualifications. You have to be with a credible media source. And, and you have to submit your background information to Secret Service. But you, you send them the credentials, uh, your press credentials, and you complete this, the background information, and you're in. So what is the big difference now? I mean, you and I have both talked about the media, a couple different topics that we'll go into. But what would you say the biggest difference is with the current administration from years past at the White House? Well, number number one, it's, it's a lot more, I would say, oppressive uh, for the press than it was during the Obama administration. A Playboy re- reporter and I and some others on a complaint letter to the White House and to the White House uh, Correspondent Association. But the, the main problem right now is freedom of the press is being under assault, and the White House Correspondent Association has become 
a po- police agency. They're supposed to be an advocate for journalists, but they're, they're more involved with policing uh, entrance into the White House, limiting access. And I didn't experience that, of course, during the Obama administration. We didn't have the COVID-19 issue to deal with. Mm-hmm. But when I'm there, I'm there during the Trump administration time, and we did have COVID-19 to deal with. And I didn't have to pay $170 a day for COVID-19 testing to enter the White House. I didn't, I didn't have any restriction on how many days of the week I could be there. I could be there the, during the Trump administration seven days a week if I wanted to be. But now I'm usually just limited to one day a week by the White House Correspondent Association through some random, so-called random lottery. Very disturbing. When you're in the White House, do you find that it's become something that has never really happened before in your profession? It's never happened before for me. I, I think of the other journalists that I've known that have been there for longer than I have, and they haven't experienced this type of experience. I had a reporter that um, recently passed away. She was there for about 50 years. And now I have another one that's a, a, a Jewish journalist. And he was there before Obama's time. And he's never experienced this problem as well. He's got a serious complaint about this. And he understands how this administration has really impacted freedom of the press. And with those restrictions and the way that it's being handled right now, what's the resolve? What is the way to break through? And, you know, it, it almost seems like you have certain amount of rights if I'm correct, right? I mean, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a constitution of rules. I mean, I imagine that it's, I, I don't know much about it, but you can kind of fill me in on that. Okay, well, we know from, our, from, the, from the constitution, we'll, um, you know, the, through the Declaration of Independence as well, that our constitutional rights of, of free speech, uh, you know, in the First Amendment, and of course, freedom of the press, but it, it's a serious problem here. And what, what would you like to see become the next steps in order to, to get back to a sense of normalcy? Um, I, well, I, of course, I would like to see uh, there, there be restored daily press access that reporters that were able to be here freely during the Trump administration time, they could be here free on a daily basis if needed. Well, from the media that I've followed, you know, I mean, all through the pandemic and to where we're at right now with the misinformation, the use of social media, and the complete bias that's very evident to me and should be to a lot of different people. Um, I've come to a couple different conclusions, one being that this bias seems to be working and affiliated with each party, and it doesn't seem like there's any way that it's justified. Nobody's taking responsibility for it, and it just goes by the wayside. Uh, Well, you're on Onto several things. A lot of things have gone to the wayside here. Uh, very, very troubling. But some, something needs to be done right away. And I think it may a lawsuit against the White House Correspondent Association, and maybe even the White House. What, what is really happening is that the White House Correspondent Association is really violating their articles of incorporation. Uh, they're a nonprofit. And they're supposed to be advocating for journalists, not not to be a policing organization. So I don't, I don't see that they're really representing journalists and, and their um, and their rights 
So they really become an arm of the government. So you were just at the White House this week, correct? Yes, a very troubling experience there. Uh, go into that, if you would, a little bit. Okay, well, we have, first of all, um, I'm there Thursday and Friday. It's Thursday, May 6th, the National Day of Prayer. President Biden is not at the White House, breaking tradition with a lot of presidents that have been there to honor, have a proclamation, National Day of Prayer. And he comes out with this proclamation and doesn't mention God in the proclamation. Totally breaking, uh, you know, precedent from previous presidents. For me, the, the, the best president on this matter of prayer is President Lincoln, who wasn't afraid to uh, have in his proclamation the word God several times. He even quoted scripture from Psalm 33, 12. And I'm, I'm referring to President Lincoln's proclamation on humiliation and fasting. And he's calling it time for prayer. But, but not only prayer, but humility, repentance. And there's some key things that Lincoln said, which, by the way, people can read at the top of our website. You can look for President Lincoln's picture there at incnews.org. But there's real things that stood out for me, Devin, and that is when Lincoln in the proclamation says that America is a nation that has forgotten God. We have become too proud, too arrogant, too self-reliant. Too proud to pray to the one that created us. And he goes into the, the issue that we need to repent of our many national sins in humble sorrow that that referring to God will for, will forgive us. And and he was quoting from the book of Psalm thirty three twelve. Blessed only are those nations whose God is the Lord. It was very convicting what President Lincoln had to say, but uh, President Biden has nowhere near uh, come to that type of a character. And we have, we have uh, in his proclamation, no mention to the word God. He did use the word divine in some sentence, but he also, uh, he signed in the year of our Lord, which could mean anything. It could be Lord Vader for all I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Interesting. So, and then you also had a meeting with his press secretary, correct? Yeah, press secretary yesterday. Um, and, and before that, I, I was interviewed from someone in Israel in Jerusalem about my reporting on anti-Semitism in the White House and my experience. A very, there was a very uh, moving video uh, about uh, defending the Jewish freedoms and, and honoring their, their lives as sacrifice a very um, moving video, an appeal to protect the Jewish cemetery from desecration in Vilnius, Lithuania. But, you know, when I'm there at the White House uh, on Friday, May 7th, you know, in that press secretary's office, I'm waiting a long time, several hours, to get in there, being put off uh, many times. And so I'm there, and I'm, I, I've handed her a list of these questions regarding anti-Semitism issues, the anti-Semitic UN agency UNRWA, uh, pronounced that way, or with reference to the Jewish cemetery desecrations. Um, I also mentioned the genocide of the Uyghurs in the Chinese internment camps. And in, in light of a recent statement by the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, 
who said that President Biden is fully supportive of human rights, but nowhere in his statement did he refer to the rights of children uh, that are being killed or the rights of Jews and Christians, but just in some generic way, human rights. So I'm, I'm also addressing at the White House about the children coming across the border and how they're being protected from sex slavery or sex trafficking and, and gangs and other abuse, but no response. And then the final thing that really set her off was when I, in light of the National Day of Prayer, mentioned President Lincoln's call to repentance. And she became very upset, saying that she's uncomfortable about, about these questions and seemed to be implying blame towards me for asking these questions that make her uncomfortable, which is totally out of touch with reality about most of Americans that do believe in God and do believe that President Lincoln was a great president. Yeah, there's a lot to unwrap there. Yeah. I, I mean, being the party that you're affiliated with, you would say... Uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm actually a Republican. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm not very pleased by everything in the Republican Party, but President Lincoln was the first Republican. Yeah. And, and I really, I really, I really uh, appreciate President Lincoln's uh, humility that was expressed in his proclamation. He becomes more spiritual, I think, more serious about God at the end of his life. And wasn't, wasn't afraid to have his name signed to a proclamation talking about the need to repent of our many national sins. Uh, very humbling proclamation that I haven't heard any politician equal since then. We don't get much from President Biden at this time. No, I mean, I don't know if, if, if he really read this proclamation on the National Day of Prayer that came out of the White House, uh, but it shows his not really not being quite with it. It shows kind of dereliction of duty. If, if he can't, if, if, he's, if he's not observing what comes out with his name on such a historic thing like the National Day of Prayer, and to leave God out of it, probably was probably a staffer that put this together and put his name to it. Uh, but for him to let that go without honoring God on the National Day of Prayer is unacceptable. So, Well, there's a lot of questions and, there, you know, that you have that, that you, you know, obviously Miss Press Secretary did not obviously answer. But what's uncomfortable about these questions? Why can we? Why can we not get to a point where we're finally going to address these major issues that are happening? It seems to me like they were so highlighted when you know the Trump administration was in office that we've just gone such a radical turn, and now all the information seems so suppressed. It's clear as day to me. What's your take on that? And how do we get to a point where we can finally find some common ground in the way that? these items are being addressed and the justification for them being addressed is handled with the freedom of the press, you know, free speech, all these things that you see are trying to be pinched in this very time that we're in. Well, like what I mentioned earlier, I really think it's going to take a lawsuit to wake them up on this matter. Freedom of the press is such a crucial issue. And through this lawsuit, 
and it probably end up all the way to the Supreme Court is such a big deal. But but this administration, I don't think, is capable of answering these questions because they're showing their insensitivity uh, to Jews and Christians specifically in America, and uh, Christians make up a large part of America. And a lot of people, as I mentioned before, believe in God. Right. But and leaving God out of the picture is uh, really like asking for disaster for America. And uh, so either they're ignorant uh, totally about God or, or they're just very hostile to a belief in God and what all that represents. You know, that's very convicting, you know, if they, if they would really read President Lincoln's proclamation. They don't want to hear that that we are prideful or arrogant. There's there's just a lack of humility, and I don't know if they're like I said they're really capable of dealing with this issue. Like you can tell by the press secretary's behavior yesterday that she can't handle this. And if she's uncomfortable about this, she's not in touch with reality with of a lot of Americans. Well, there's so many issues going on all at the same time. There and are so many issues. The thing that I gather from that is that, you know, not to, I mean, you can't tackle everything all at once. There's just too much right now, but does that give us the excuse to just suppress information and just not even address it for the fear sake of saying the wrong thing or you being muted or being censored or anything that we've gotten to the point where we're at now? And I mean, you being a journalist can really understand that I imagine, but how are we going to get to the point where we can actually address some of the issues in America that need to be fixed if all we're doing is just, it seems like treading water? Yeah, it's a, it's a very troubling issue. I mean, it, it shows their insecurity. They're, they're very insecure in dealing with these uh, really foundational issues to America. When we've got, in God we trust, printed on the dollar bill, We've got so many references to God in our founding documents. Uh, we, we know the Declaration of Independence uses the word creator instead of the word God, but the founding fathers were clearly supportive of, of God, I, I think, especially of Benjamin Franklin, who was very, didn't live the most uh, moral lifestyle uh, at times, but in his late, later years, he realizes the importance of humility and he realizes that there's no way America's going to survive unless they are in, in uh, serious prayer and repentance. So um, for president, I should say for uh, Franklin, I mean, for, um, for, for him to, um, you know, for, for him to call for serious prayer and humility uh, for Benjamin Franklin to say that that was quite, quite revealing i would say yeah i'll be really honest with you dr harper i in the last year being a supporter of the right you know i'm i'm somewhere in the middle as well on certain issues i have been given so many labels that i can't even keep track of them anymore but uh-huh. if i were to be labeled unbeknownst to me but only my affiliation or beliefs which is such a broad term isn't it but i am mm-hmm. now a white supremacist I am a conspiracy theorist. I'm all of these labels that basically downplay everything that I am 
in order to suppress any actual factual things that I am passionate about or feel free to talk about. And in, uh-huh. in line, the issue for me is that I believe in free speech. I believe in conversation. I believe that we're still prideful as Americans in general, but so divided that we can't seem to get anywhere. Wherein lies the light that maybe will unite us on some issues so we can actually tackle what's going on? Because what I fear is that we'll be so caught up in all of these things and we'll be so divided that we can't find the middle ground to actually tackle the issues that need to be fixed in America for generations to come. It seems like we're just at a complete standstill. Yes, it relates to what Jesus said, actually, about a house divided against itself cannot stand. And America cannot exist, cannot continue much longer as it is with all this with all this chaos. And what, what's furthering this is all the is the open border issue. I was just watching a video today of uh, Senator Langford in Texas at the border and showing how easy it is for people to get in from anywhere in the world. You know, if you if you get the people that uh, you know that you pay to to bring to this section, there's a bridge connecting Mexico to the U.S. And if it's under the bridge, they get to this area and they can enter the country. And there's not much screening, and they can just go directly into the U.S. And if our if our country gets flooded with all those people that can easily get in, you know, we're going to have such a serious we're going to have a major uh, humanitarian crisis before we know it. And I also yes to your point there. This goes along with the labeling thing, right? So we can't actually handle the issues at the border, what's being done, because if we bring up things like these questions you ask, you know, whatever the reason being, they're uncomfortable questions. Well, the uncomfortable questions are what we have to talk about. You know, to label everybody that is on the right as a Q supporter, as this, as that, anything you can name, it's out there, and it's being drilled into you that this is what it is. It's like you can't get to the issues anymore because they've automatically censored you in a way that we, yeah. can't, we can't actually talk about it because, oh, you probably believe in, in Q. Oh, you're still on, you know, I mean, there's so many things and we're losing, okay. we're losing what we, what we really need to handle. And it's, it's, it, it is, it just reminds me of propaganda, Devin. This is what is really happening. Propaganda on steroids. Really coming from from a left in, in a big way to demonize those that talk about our founding documents, the founding fathers' intent here for America, talking about religious freedom. Now we've had the Black Lives Matter really a big deal, but it's really Black Lives Matter and more the head the organization is is more about Marxism than anything else. It, it's it's not about now, think, think of this came up about Jewish lives matter. How would that be received? Right. You know, because what, I'm, what I've been, I've seen is that any nation that tolerates anti-Semitism, the religious freedoms uh, of people go under greatly. I think in the case of Hitler, in the days of Germany, uh, his, his hate for the Jews, anti-Semitism led to the weakening of the churches. The churches fell. They became afraid. 
to speak up. It's, it's such a such a big deal. So maybe maybe Jewish lives matter should be the next big thing. Yeah, I can agree with that. You know, the sad part is is that I want to look at the issue directly, right? So being a father now and having a three year old and being raised where I've raised or however, and finding my own path spiritually, you know, my own religion. I was, you know, raised a Christian. I mean, all the things that are my values that have made me who I am today, it all points back to seeing racism for what it was truly. But, you know, there was a point where I could talk to people about it. There was a point where you could tackle your in, inner conflict with things and actually address it. But now, like, you, I mean, we're so muted and then something that comes along, you know, I wanted to see the justification for law enforcement, but on a level where our training gets better or all the things that are done to resolve these major issues that have happened in America for so long. And all I see now is a foundation that has a lot of loose ends and a lot of money that's being misappropriated. And to me, it's it's just a fail for african-americans it's a fail for them in a big way because now we're not we're not into the resolve yet we haven't even addressed the main issues oh we, we haven't people are just too afraid it's, it's irresponsible and i really and I, I know the media is such a big influence over people what about people some good people taking a controlling interest over cnn or how msnbc is, how is oh, that why, yeah why can't the good people in America have ownership and controlling interest and, and, and not let the left at total control and, and propagandists and demonize us with this racism thing. And that's just one label. And if you look yeah. at how biased the media has been for the last, let's, let's just call it nine months. Let's, if you took a chunk of it for nine months and really analyzed it. Now, look, we're in a different world and it's all about money as it always has been in power, correct? So if yeah. if you look at, you know, the way media has gone now, I really started studying media right after 9-11. I was so shocked by so many things and I think that that one really woke me up into a way where I was starting to see the bias. But you've been around a lot longer than me. So I ask you this question. When was the news the news, and how did it change? I mean, has it always been, when was there the news that was actually reporting, that was weighing both sides? What would you say the era of time when it was not so biased, and maybe you got information from both sides? Well, well, here, here in the U.S., I can, I can look back to the late 1940s, uh, the early 1950s, uh, that I can think... Um, more so, or maybe in in part of the '60s with Walter Cronkite, but uh, real journalism hasn't been going on for quite some time in major media. It really has become more propaganda, and that's very disturbing. So, um, very very alarming about where America's going because you know if we don't have that freedom of the press, and if it becomes all propaganda. We just get further divided. It's, it's got to stop somewhere, and it, and it will stop. America cannot exist as we've known it to be not much longer. I see a major crisis, some, some breaking point coming up very soon. 
Mm-hmm. I'm think think about all the immorality that is going on as far as you know the housing issues, greed, greed that is happening with re- regard renting, and people can't afford their rent, but yet we can give all this free housing to people coming across the border. I think about all the struggling veterans, you know, that that are they're disabled and they they're being forced out of their homes because of the rising the greed and and the rents rising in their apartments. So they're on fixed income and the elderly. It, it is is totally immoral what is happening that America has been so uh, preoccupied with greed and arrogance. And it's going to be leading to our downfall. As you've, you've heard that phrase, pride comes before a fall. And actually even Jesus, you know, Jesus himself talked about how about greed and, and arrogance as well. And a serious problem. So I'm really sad for America, Devin. I'm sad for all the, you know, the great sacrifice that our soldiers have given for freedom. And we just throw it out the window. It's the most interesting time to be alive for me right now. I'm fascinated. It seems like I just dig and I dig and I dig for information because it's so hard to find anything you can do the research and find out that you are an algorithm and a consumer. I mean, you you know that, or or you know, there's right. there's ways to research it and find out. But the AI that controls you on a smartphone, especially with media, has gotten to a point where it's really scary because it works so good. Even if you can see through it, it still works. It's just incredible to me that yeah it's gotten to that point it's very 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 disturbing the ai thing and what was even more disturbing i was reading several news reports on cbs news and others about because of the covid 19 that there is a, a chip implant being developed to track people as far as covid 19 and that's like big brother on steroids that's, oh sure yeah I, it, we're 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 in we're facing some Major, we're in a lot. We're in a major loss of our freedoms on several fronts. And I know that the only way, as President Lincoln said, is really is humility. We've got to humble ourselves as a nation. And I, and I hope that good people in America will be more involved with taking ownership of the media. It has so, to. There has to be a breaking point, though, don't you think? Oh, very soon. I had a very disturbing dream one time, where I saw the ground open up. Uh, you know, some lava, some uh, vent, and the White House disappeared into lava. <laughs> so this and is—I what... don't know if that, that was like a futuristic thing, you know, that the White, uh, as we've known, America goes under. Yeah, it reminds me. See, so like a dream like that, right? I remember when I used to wait tables, and you would have what's called a server nightmare, and oh. so. You know, stress can cause this. There's a lot of stuff. I've studied a lot about dreams. So, but one thing I can remember is that I am having a server nightmare where I'm serving an entire restaurant full of people. Everybody has a baby and none of the food's coming out on time. Dishes are just stacking up and eventually the entire restaurant goes through the ground because there's just, you know, there's nothing you can do. So it's too heavy. Yeah, yeah. So that that your dream kind of reminded me of that. Um uh-huh. but but no, I'm I'm such an optimist. Anybody who knows me will know that. 
you know, I follow my own faith. I follow my own spirituality. You know, like I said, I was raised Christian, but I also um, went and visited every church there was, you know, and and really took it all in as far as organized religion goes. Got to the place that I'm at now, which for the most part is a pretty zen, spiritual, great place. And uh, so me being an optimist, I see all this. It has to, Something has to give. Now, at what cost that that is, I don't know. Nobody can foresee the future, mm-hmm. but everybody's examined a lot of things in the last year um, that I hope that we can take an open-minded approach and come together as both sides, not black, not white, not any, any type of, of race classification, but just as humans. And the same thing goes with politics. I really want to see coming together and, you know, going forth on these major issues. Now, it seems as if the right's been under attack for a really long time, I would say, for the entire time that Donald Trump was president. Um, Yeah, actually, it happened during the times of Vietnam. The right was under attack. You know, traditional families were criticized. We have a, we had some, we had the teens rebelling to Vietnam. It was an issue a lot with saw saw as an unjust war, but uh, the teens were really struggling, and and traditional family was being questioned. There was rebellion against traditional family structure, and there was all that free love movement, you know. And yeah, everything. and that that's more so when the you know that that was all questioned way back then in the late fifties, early sixties, uh, breaking out. This just continues, got much worse. Yeah, be, because of the resources, right? Just the way that you can do it is is a little more intense these days. And and, and Lincoln went further. President Lincoln went further into detail about how, because he became so wealthy. Uh, really, I think it's helpful for anyone historically to read his proclamation because he talked about what what made us great and how we we've, we've become drunk with our success. And I, I want I want to 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 read. Uh, I can read it um, to you. Lincoln's words in the proclamation were were so, I think, fitting, applied to as now today, you know? Yeah. More than ever. Mentioned at the top of our website uh, at imcnews.org that people can read Lincoln's proclamation on, there's a proclamation of humiliation and fasting. And uh, let me let me read uh, what he says here just briefly. Sure. Um, Please do. And he talks about uh, um, that he's calling for a national day of prayer and humiliation. He says, whereas the duty of nations as well as of men, showing their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions, and humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in holy scriptures and proven all by all history, that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord, and he's referring to Psalm thirty-three, twelve. But he, he talks about, um, insomuch as we know that by his divine law, nations like individuals are subject, subjected to punishments and chastisement in this world. May we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins, to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people, we have been the recipients 
of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched us and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. And this is what I really like to talk about, the drunkenness. And he says, intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of rede- redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made, made us. And he says, it behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Um, you know, it just really, it really gets to the heart of the issue that we have been intoxicated or drunk with our success. And we've ignored God. So, and we wonder why we're in such a mess. Yes, and that's available. That'll be in a link below if you're listening to this podcast. I'll have that in the link below, and that is to your website, and that's the Intermountain Christian News. Um, yeah, look for Lincoln's picture at the top. Yes. Well, we... <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on the cast with me today, and uh, I look forward to having you. Just if for your information, folks, Dr. Anthony Harper will be here um, in Riverton on June 6th at the Holiday Inn, and uh, I look forward to hearing um, you speak. You will be talking about um, Israel relations and also the freedom... Uh, freedom of the press and how it's under assault and, and uh, what my playboy reporter friend and I and some other journalists are going through regarding the assault on freedom of the press. So you said that you, you played some trumpet, correct? Yeah. I'm a musician. First of all, I've traveled with the Boise state university band. I performed with the band as a singer. Um, I've had some great experience, uh, in Idaho state university with a band as a, as a jazz singer for the jazz band fantastic um, the jazz choir thing you know i started out in opera and music theater as well and a wide wide experience of performance and it really is as i mentioned earlier really has helped with my experience being on stage at the white house this is uh this is one of this is the primary of all the world stages those white house press meetings are it, I would say. People from all over the world looking at what's happening at the White House today. And and I've been called on to ask some challenging questions that have stirred things up. What really, Devin, I wanted to say, something supernatural happened my first time during Obama administration, getting called on, was the last question of the day given this by his press secretary to the Secretary of Agriculture, complaining about a problem of drought in our nation, natural disasters. I think if they just get enough money, get the Congress on board, we can solve this problem and help the farmers. But, you know, I asked this question about, what about President, what about Governor Perry's uh, question about prayer and fasting in time of disasters uh, like these? And the Secretary of Agriculture says that he gets down on his 
knees and praise every night and that he'd do a rain dance. He thought that would help. And then I walk away from the White House. A lightning streak goes across the sky and a serious downpour of rain for two and a half hours. Wow. Not, not only in Washington, D.C., but in New York City at the same time. And that is not coincidence. I'm asking uh, some spiritually based questions about humbling ourselves and seeking God. And then this happens from, from above, you know, you might say it was a electrifying experience, you know, to feel the static in the, in the air about uh, lightning and the rain, you know? Absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's like something. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, like I said, if you're listening to this podcast, you can check out the links down below. I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Harper. Thank you for coming on my podcast. I look forward to to meeting you in person. And I just really appreciate you taking the time today to to kind of discuss with us what you're all about. And I really look forward to hearing you speak in June. It's going to be great to be uh, in the state of Wyoming. I love the state of Wyoming. They're wide open spaces and after being in the swamp here in Washington, D.C., it's going to be a great relief. Yeah, absolutely. And have you spent time in Wyoming before? Oh, several times. So, you know, Casper, Cody. Yeah. I've been in R- Riverton before. Great. Uh, I, I, I love being in Cheyenne as well. So. Well, I love being a Wyomingite, and I love uh, the state that I live in, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else uh, going through the end of the world, so it's kind of nice. Um really happy to be here in Wyoming. Gorgeous weather today, and uh, we're finally getting into the best time to be around in Wyoming, and uh, it's just really exciting. It is exciting. Can't wait to be there. Great. So, yep, check out the website. Is there anything else that you'd like us to look at? I know that uh, I'll have that link down for the website, but and that basically you put a newspaper out as well, right? Yeah, we have a printed newspaper people can download from our website. Also, our YouTube channel, you'll see those White House reports, my international reporting. And as a musician, I was singing at the White House at one time. So uh, <laughs> I've had some great experiences with the Israeli military cadets singing their national anthem uh, in Jerusalem. It's been a, a wonderful experience internationally. So our YouTube channel is a great place to go. Excellent. I'll have that in the description as well. Well, I think we're going to sign off here. Thanks for listening to episode 15 of the Honeycomb Podcast. Uh, Be sure to download the episode. Please share it with friends. And if you're in the area in Wyoming, come see uh, Dr. Anthony Harper speak at the Holiday Inn. Mr. Harper, uh, thank you so much for your time. Welcome. Great to talk to you, Devin. Talk to you later. Have a wonderful day. Thank you much.